Homily 17, St. John Chrysostom, Homilies on the Gospel of St. Matthew, translated by the Reverend Sir George Prevost, M.A. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 17, Matthew 5, 27 through 37. Ye have heard that it was said to them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, That every one who looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Having now finished the former commandment, and having extended it unto the height of self-denial, he, advancing in course and order, proceeds accordingly unto the second, herein to obeying the law. And yet, it may be said, this is not the second, but the third, for neither is the first, thou shalt not kill, but the Lord thy God is one Lord. Wherefore it is worth inquiring, too, why he did not begin with that. Why was it then? Because, had he begun from thence, he must have enlarged it also, and have brought in himself together with his father. But it was not as yet time to teach any such thing about himself. And besides, he was for a while practicing his moral doctrine only, being minded from this first, and from his miracles, to convince the hearers that he was the Son of God. Now, if he had said it once, before he had spoken or done anything, Ye have heard that it was said to them of old time, I am the Lord thy God, and there is none other but me. But I say unto you, Worship me even as him. This would have made all regard him as a madman. For if, even after his teaching, and his so great miracles, while not even yet was he saying this openly, they called him possessed with a devil. Had he before all these attempted to say any such thing, what would they not have said? What would they not have thought? But keeping back at the proper season his teaching on these subjects, he was causing that the doctrine should be acceptable to the many. Wherefore now he passed it by quickly, but when he had everywhere established it by his miracles, and by his most excellent teaching, he afterwards unveiled it in words also. For the present, however, by the manifestation of his miracles, and by the very manner of his teaching, he unfolds it on occasion, gradually and quietly. For his enacting such laws, and such corrections of laws, with authority, would lead on the attentive and understanding hearer by little and little unto the word of his doctrine. For it is said, they were astonished at him, because he taught not as their scribes. For beginning from those passions which most belong to our whole race, anger, I mean, and desire, for it is these chiefly that bear absolute sway within us, and are more natural than the rest. 
he with great authority even such as became a legislator both corrected them and reduced them to order with all strictness for he said not that the adulterer merely is punished but what he had done with respect to the murderer this he doth here also punishing even the unchaste look to teach thee wherein lies what he had more than the scribes accordingly he saith he that looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath already committed adultery with her that is he who makes it his business to be curious about bright forms and to hunt for elegant features and to feast his soul with the sight and to fasten his eyes on fair countenances for he came to set free from all evil deeds not the body only but the soul too before the body thus because in the heart we receive the grace of the spirit he cleanses it out first and how one may say is it possible to be freed from desire i answer first if we were willing even this might be deadened and remain inactive in the next place he doth not here take away desire absolutely but that desire which springs up in men from sight for he that is curious to behold fair countenances is himself chiefly the enkindler of the furnace of that passion and makes his own soul a captive and soon proceeds also to the act thus we see why he said not whosoever shall lust to commit adultery but whosoever shall look to lust and in the case of anger he laid down a certain distinction saying without a cause and for not but here not so rather once for all he took away the desire yet surely both are naturally implanted and both are set in us for our profit both anger and desire the one that we may chastise the evil and correct those who walk disorderly the other that we may have children and that our race may be recruited by such successions why then did he not make a distinction here also nay very great is the distinction which if thou attend thou wilt see here also included for he said not simply whosoever shall desire since it is possible for one to desire even when sitting in the mountains but whosoever shall look to lust that is to say he who gathers in lust unto himself he who when nothing compels him brings in the wild beast upon his thoughts when they are calm for this comes no longer of nature but of self-indulgence this even the ancient scripture corrects from the first saying contemplate not beauty which is another's and then lest any one should say what then if i contemplate and be not taken captive he punishes the look lest confiding in this security thou shouldst some time fall into sin what then one may say if i should look and desire indeed but do no evil 
even so thou art set among the adulterers for the lawgiver hath pronounced it and thou must not ask any more questions for thus looking once twice or thrice thou wilt perhaps have power to refrain but if thou art continually doing this and kindling the furnace thou wert surely be taken for thy station is not beyond that nature which is common to men as we then if we see a child holding a knife though we do not see him hurt beat him and forbid his ever holding it so god likewise takes away the unchaste look even before the act lest at any time thou shouldst fall in act also for he who hath once kindled the flame even when the woman whom he hath beheld is absent, is forming by himself continually images of shameful things, and from them often goes on even to the deed. For this cause Christ takes away even that embrace which is in the heart only. What now can they say, who have those virgin inmates? why by the tenor of this law they must be guilty of ten thousand adulteries daily beholding them with desire for this cause the blessed job also laid down this law from the beginning blocking out from himself on all sides this kind of gazing for in truth greater is the struggle on beholding and not possessing the object of fondness nor is the pleasure so great which we reap from the sight as the mischief we undergo from increasing this desire thus making our opponents strong and giving more scope to the devil and no longer able to repulse him now that we have brought him into our inmost parts and have thrown our mind open unto him therefore he saith commit no adultery with thine eyes and thou wilt commit none with thy mind for one may indeed behold in another way such as are the looks of the chaste wherefore he did not altogether prohibit our seeing but that seeing which is accompanied with desire and if he had not meant this he would have said simply he who looketh on a woman but now he said not thus, but he who looketh to lust, he who looketh to please his sight. For not at all to this end did God make the eyes, that thou shouldst thereby introduce adultery, but that, beholding his creatures, thou shouldst admire the artificer. Just then, as one may feel wrath at random, so may one cast looks at random that is when thou doest it for lust rather if thou desirest to look and find pleasure look at thine own wife and love her continually no law forbids that but if thou art to be curious about the beauties that belong to another thou art injuring both thy wife by letting thine eyes wander elsewhere and her on whom thou hast looked, by touching her unlawfully. Since, although thou hast not touched her with the hand, yet hast thou caressed her with thine eyes, 
for which cause this also is accounted adultery and before that great penalty draws after it no slight one of its own for then all within him is filled with disquiet and turmoil and great is the tempest and most grievous the pain and no captive nor person in chains can be worse off than a man in this state of mind and oftentimes she who hath shot the dart is flown away while the wound even so remains or rather it is not she who hath shot the dart but thou gavest thyself the fatal wound by thine unchaste look and this i say to free modest women from the charge since assuredly should one deck herself out and invite towards herself the eyes of such as fall in her way even though she smite not him that meets with her she incurs the utmost penalty for she mixed the poison she prepared the hemlock even though she did not offer the cup or rather she did also offer the cup though no one were found to drink it why then doth he not discourse with them also it may be said because the laws which he appoints are in every case common although he seemed to address himself unto men only for in discoursing with the head he makes his admonition common to the whole body also for woman and man he knows as one living creature and nowhere distinguishes their kind but if thou desirest to hear also his rebuke for them in particular listen to isaiah in many words inveighing against them and deriding their habit their aspect their gait their trailing garments their tripping feet their drooping necks here with him the blessed paul also setting many laws for them and both about garments and ornaments of gold and plating of hair and luxurious living and all other such things vehemently rebuking this sex and christ too by what follows next obscurely intimated this very same for when he saith pluck out and cut off the eye that offended thee he speaks as indicating his anger against them wherefore also he subjoins if thy right eye offend thee pluck it out and cast it from thee thus lest thou shouldst say but what if she be akin to me what if in any other way she belong to me therefore he hath given these injunctions not discoursing about our limbs far from it for nowhere doth he say that our flesh is to be blamed for things but everywhere it is the evil mind that is accused for it is not the eye that sees but the mind and the thought often for instance we being wholly turned elsewhere our eye sees not those who are present so that the matter does not entirely depend upon its working again had he been speaking of members of the body he would not have said it of one eye nor of the right eye only but of both for he was offended by his right eye most evidently will incur the same evil by his left also why then did he mention the right eye 
and add the hand, to show thee that not of limbs is he speaking, but of them who are near unto us. Thus, if, saith he, thou so lovest any one, as though he were instead of a right eye, if thou thinkest him so profitable to thee as to esteem him in place of a hand, and he hurts thy soul, even these do thou cut off. And see the emphasis, for he said not, Withdraw from him, but to show the fullness of the separation, Pluck it out, saith he, and cast it from thee. Then, forasmuch as his injunction was sharp, he shows also the gain on either hand, both from the benefits and from the evils, continuing in the metaphor. For it is profitable for thee, saith he, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. For while he neither saves himself nor fails to destroy thee too, what kindness is it for both to sink, whereas if they were separated, one at least might have been preserved? But why did Paul then, it may be said, choose to become accursed? Not on condition of gaining nothing, but with a view to the salvation of others. But in this case the mischief pertains to both, and therefore he said not, pluck out only, but also, cast from thee, to receive him again no more, if he continues as he is. For so shalt thou both deliver him from a heavier charge, and free thyself from ruin. But that thou mayest see yet more clearly the profit of this law, let us, if you please, try what hath been said, in the case of the body itself, by way of supposition. I mean, if choice were given, and thou must either, keeping thine eye, be cast into a pit and perish, or plucking it out, preserve the rest of thy body, wouldst thou not, of course, accept the latter? It is plain to every one. For this were not to act as one hating the eye, but as one loving the rest of the body. This same reckoning do thou make with regard to men also, and women that if he who harms thee by his friendship should continue incurable, his being thus cut off will both free thee from all mischief, and he also will himself be delivered from the heavier charges, not having to answer for thy destruction along with his own evil deeds. Seest thou how full the law is of gentleness and tender care, in that which seems to men in general to be severity, how much love towards man it discloses. Let them hearken to these things, who hasten to the theatres, and make themselves adulterers every day. For if the law commands to cut him off, whose connection with us tends to our hurt, what plea can they have, who, by their haunting those places, attract towards them daily those even that have not yet become known to them, and procure to themselves occasions of ruin without number. For henceforth he not only forbids us to look unchastely, but having signified the mischief thence ensuing, he even straightens the law as he goes on, 
commanding to cut off and dissever and cast somewhere far away and all this he ordains who hath uttered words beyond number about love that in either way thou mightest learn his providence and how from every source he seeks thy profit now it hath been said whosoever shall put away his wife let him give her a writing of divorcement but i say unto you whosoever shall put away his wife saving for the cause of fornication causeth her to commit adultery and whosoever marrieth her that is put away committeth adultery he goes not on to what lies before him until he have well cleared out the former topics for lo he shows us yet another kind of adultery and what is this there was an ancient law made that he who hated his wife for whatever kind of cause should not be forbidden to cast her out and to bring home another instead of her the law however did not command him simply to do this but after giving the woman a writing of divorcement that it might not be in her power to return to him again that so at least the figure of the marriage might remain for if he had not enjoined this but it were lawful first to cast her out and take another then afterwards to take back the former the confusion was sure to be great all men continually taking each other's wives and the matter thenceforth would have been direct adultery with a view to this he devised as no small mitigation the writing of divorcement but these things were done by reason of another a far greater wickedness i mean had he made it necessary to keep in the house her even that was hated the husband hating would have killed her for such was the race of the jews for they who did not spare children who slew prophets and shed blood as water much more would they have showed no mercy to women for this cause he allowed the less to remove the greater evil for that this was not a primary law hear him saying moses wrote these things according to the hardness of your hearts that ye might not slay them in the house but rather put them out but forasmuch as he had taken away all wrath having forbidden not murder only but even the mere feeling of anger he with ease introduces this law likewise with this view also he is ever bringing to mind the former words to signify that his sayings are not contrary to them but in agreement that he is enforcing not overthrowing them perfecting not doing them away and observe him everywhere addressing his discourse to the man thus he that putteth away his wife saith he causeth her to commit adultery and he that marrieth a woman put away committeth adultery that is the former though he take not another wife by that act alone hath made himself liable to blame having made the first an adulteress the latter again is become an adulterer by taking her who is another's for tell me not this the other hath cast her out 
nay for when cast out she continues to be the wife of him that expelled her then lest he should render the wife more self-willed by throwing it all upon him who cast her out he hath shut against her also the doors of him who was afterwards receiving her and that he saith he who marrieth her that is put away committeth adultery and so makes the woman chaste even though unwilling and blocks up altogether her access to all and suffers her not to give an occasion for jealousy for she who hath been made aware that she positively must either keep the husband who was originally allotted to her or being cast out of the house not have any other refuge she even against her will was compelled to make the best of her consort and if he discoursed not at all unto her concerning these things marvel not for the woman is rather a weak creature for this cause letting her go in his threatening against the men he fully corrects her remissness just as if any one who had a prodigal child leaving him should rebuke those who make him such and forbid them to have intercourse or to approach him and if that be galling call to mind i pray thee his former sayings on what terms he had blessed his hearers and thou wilt see that it is very possible and easy for he that is meek and a peacemaker and poor in spirit and merciful how shall he cast out his wife he that is used to reconcile others how shall he be at variance with her that is his own and not thus only but in another way also he hath lightened the enactment forasmuch as even for him he leaves one manner of dismissal when he saith except for the cause of fornication since the matter had else come round again to the same issue for if he had commanded to keep her in the house though defiling herself with many he would have made the matter end again in adultery seest thou how these sayings agree with what had gone before for he who looks not with unchaste eyes upon another woman will not commit whoredom and not committing whoredom he will give no occasion to the husband to cast out his wife therefore you see after this he presses the point without reserve and builds up this fear as a bulwark urging on the husband a great danger if he do cast her out in that he makes himself accountable for her adultery thus lest thou being told pluck out the eye should it suppose this to be said even of a wife he added in good time this corrective in one way only giving leave to cast her out but no otherwise again you have heard that it was said to them of old time thou shalt not forswear thyself but shalt perform unto the lord thine oaths but i say unto you swear not at all why did he go straightway not to theft but to false witness passing over that commandment because he that steals doth upon occasion swear also 
but he that knows not either swearing or speaking falsehood, much less will he choose to steal. So that by this he hath overthrown the other sin likewise, since falsehood comes of stealing. But what means thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths? It is this, thou shalt be true in swearing. But I say unto you, swear not at all. Next, to lead them farther away from swearing by God, he saith, Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Still speaking out of the prophetical writings, and signifying himself not to be opposed to the ancients, this was because they had a custom of swearing by these objects, and he intimates this custom near the end of his gospel. But mark, I pray thee, on what ground he magnifies the elements, not from their own nature, but from God's relation to them, such as it had been in condescension declared. For because the tyranny of idolatry was great, that the elements might not be thought worthy of honor for their own sake, he hath assigned this cause, which we have mentioned, which again would pass on to the glory of God. For he neither said, Because heaven is beautiful and great, nor, Because earth is profitable, but, Because the one is God's throne, the other his footstool on every side urging them on towards their Lord. Neither by the head, saith he, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Here again, not as wondering at man, hath he withdrawn him from swearing by his head, for so man himself would be worshipped, but as referring the glory to God, and signifying that thou art not master even of thyself, and of course, therefore, not of the oaths made by thy head. For if no one would give up his own child to another, much more will not God give up his own work to thee. For though it be thy head, yet it is the property of another, and so far from being master thereof, thou shalt not be able to do with it no not the least thing of all. For he said not, Thou canst not make one hair grow, but not so much as change its quality. But what, it may be said, if any one should require an oath, and apply constraint? Let the fear of God be more powerful than the constraint, since if thou art to bring forward such excuses, thou wilt keep none of the things which are enjoined. Yea, for first, with respect to thy wife, thou wilt say, What if she be contentious and extravagant? And then, as to the right eye, What if I love it, and am quite on fire? And of the unchaste look, What then, if I cannot help seeing? And of our anger against a brother, What if I be hasty, and not able to govern my tongue? And in general, all his sayings thou mayest on this wise trample under foot. Yet surely, with regard to human laws, thou darest not in any case use this allegation, nor say, 
what then if this or that be the case? But, willingly or unwillingly, thou receivest what is written. And besides, thou wilt never have compulsion to undergo it all. For he that hath hearkened unto those former blessings, and hath framed himself to be such as Christ enjoined, will have no such constraint to endure from any, being held in reverence and veneration by all. But let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, for that which exceedeth these cometh of the evil one. What is it then that exceeds yea and nay? It is the oath, not the perjury. For this latter is quite acknowledged, and no man needs to learn that it is of the evil one, and it is not an excess, but an opposite. Whereas an excess means something more, and added over and above, which kind of thing swearing is? What then, saith one, was it of the evil one? And if it was of the evil one, how was it a law? Well, this same thing thou wilt say concerning the wife also. How is that now accounted adultery, which was before permitted? What now may one reply to this? That the precepts then uttered had reference to the weakness of them who were receiving the laws, since also to be worshipped with the vapour of sacrifice is very unworthy of God, just as to lisp is unworthy of a philosopher. That kind of thing accordingly was now laid down to be adultery, and swearing to be of the evil one, now that the principles of virtue have advanced. But if these things had been, from the first, laws of the devil, they would not have attained to so great goodness. Yea, for had those not been forerunners in the first place, these which we now have would not have been so easily received. Do not thou then require their excellency now, when their use is past, but then when the time was calling for them? Or rather, if thou wilt, even now, yea, for now also is their virtue shown, and most of all for the very cause by reason of which we find fault with them. For their appearing such now is the greatest commendation of them, for had they not brought us up well, and made us meet for the reception of the greater precepts, they would not have appeared such. Therefore, as the breast, when it hath fulfilled all its part, and is dismissing the child to the more manly diet, after that appears useless, and the parents who before thought it necessary for the babe, now abuse it with ten thousand mockeries, and many, even not content with words of abuse, anoint it also with bitter drugs, that when their words have not power to remove the child's unseasonable propensity towards it, the real things may quench their longing. So also Christ saith, that they are of the evil one, not to indicate that the old law is of the devil but in order that, with most exceeding earnestness, he might lead them away from their ancient poverty. And to them he saith these things, but with regard to the Jews, who were insensible, and persevered in the same ways.
he hath anointed their city all round with the terror of captivity as with some bitter drug and made it inaccessible but since not even this had power to restrain them but they desire to see it again running to it just as a child to the breast he hid it from them altogether both pulling it down and leading away the more part of them far from it as it is with our cattle many by shutting out the calves in time induce them to forgo their old familiar use of the milk but if the old law had belonged to the devil it would not have led people away from idolatry but rather would have drawn them on and cast them into it for this did the devil desire but now we see the opposite effect produced by the old law and indeed this very thing the oath was ordained of old for this cause that they might not swear by the idols for ye shall swear saith he by the true god they were then no small advantages which the law affected but rather very great for that they came unto the strong meat was the work of its care what then it may be said is not swearing of the evil one yes indeed it is altogether of the evil one that is now after so high a rule of self-restraint but then not so but how one may say should the same thing become at one time good at another time not good nay i say the very contrary how could it help becoming good and not good while all things are crying aloud that they are so the arts the fruits of the earth and all things else see it for example taking place first in our own kind thus to be carried in the earliest age of life is good but afterwards pernicious to eat food that hath been softened in the mouth in the first scene of our life is good but afterwards it is full of disgust to be fed upon milk and to fly to the breast is at first profitable and healthful but tends afterwards to decay and harm seest thou how the same actions by reason of the times appear good and again not so yea and to wear the robe of a child is well as long as you are a boy but contrariwise when you are become a man it is disgraceful wouldst thou learn of the contrary case too how to the child again the things of the man are unsuited give the boy a man's robe and great will be the laughter and greater the danger he being often upset and walking after that fashion allow him to handle public affairs and to traffic and so and reap and great again will be the laughter and why do i mention these things when killing which among all is acknowledged to be an invention of the evil one killing i say having found its proper occasion caused phineas who committed it to be honoured with the priesthood for that killing is a work of him whom i just now mentioned hear what christ saith ye will do the works of your father 
He was a manslayer from the beginning. But Phineas became a manslayer, and it was counted unto him, so he speaks, for righteousness. And Abraham again, on becoming not a manslayer only, but, which was far worse, the slayer of his child, won more and more approbation. And Peter too wrought a twofold slaughter, nevertheless what he did was of the Spirit. Let us not then examine simply the acts, but the season too, and the causes, and the mind, and the difference of persons, and whatsoever else may accompany them. These let us search out with all exactness, for there is no arriving at the truth otherwise. And let us be diligent, if we would attain unto the kingdom, to show forth something more than the old commandments, since we cannot otherwise lay hold of the things of heaven. For if we arrive but at the same measure, that of the ancients, we shall stand without that threshold. For, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yet, although so heavy a threat is set down, there are some who so far from overpassing this righteousness even come short of it. So far from shunning oaths, they even swear falsely. So far from avoiding an unchaste gaze, they even fall into the very act of wickedness. And all the rest of the things which are forbidden, they dare to do, as though past feeling, waiting for one thing only, the day of punishment, and the time when they are to pay the most extreme penalty for their misdoings. And this is the portion of those only who have ended their lives in wickedness. For these have reason to despair, and thenceforth to expect nothing else but punishment. Whereas they who are yet here may have power both to renew the fight and to conquer and be crowned with ease. Despond not, therefore, O man, neither put away thy noble earnestness, for in truth the things are not grievous which are enjoined. What trouble is it, I pray thee, to shun an oath? What, does it cost any money? Is it sweat and hardship? It is enough to have willed only, and the whole is done. But if you allege to me thine habit, for this very reason most of all do I say, that thy doing right is easy. For if thou bring thyself to another habit, thou hast effected all. Consider, for example, how among the Greeks, in many instances, persons lisping have entirely cured by much practice their halting tongue, while others, who were used to shrug up their shoulders in an unseemly way, and to be continually moving them, by putting a sword over them, have broken themselves of it. For since you are not persuaded out of the scriptures, I am compelled to shame you by them that are without. This God also did unto the Jews, when he said, Go ye forth unto the isles of Chittim, and send unto Kedar, and know if nations will change their gods, which yet are no gods. And to the brutes likewise he sends us oftentimes, saying on this wise, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, 
and emulate her ways, and go forth to the bee. This, therefore, I also now say unto you. Consider the philosophers of the Greeks, and then you will know of how great punishment we are worthy, who disobey the laws of God, and that they for seemliness before men have taken exceeding pains, and you bestow not the same diligence, no, not for the things of heaven. But if thou shouldst reply, habit has a wonderful power to beguile even those who are very much in earnest, this I likewise acknowledge. However, there is another thing which I say with it, that as it is powerful to beguile, so also it is easy to be corrected. For if thou wilt set over thyself at home many to watch thee, such as thy servant, thy wife, thy friend, thou wilt easily break off from the bad habits, being hard-pressed and closely restrained by all. If thou succeed in doing this for ten days only, thou wilt after that no longer need any further time, but all will be secured to thee, rooted anew in the firmness of the most excellent habit. When therefore thou art beginning to correct this, though thou shouldst transgress thy law a first, a second, a third, a twentieth time, do not despair, but rise up again, and resume the same diligence, and thou wilt surely prevail. For perjury surely is no trifling mischief. If to swear is of the evil one, how great the penalty which false swearing will bring. Did ye give praise to what hath been said? Nay, I want not applause, nor tumults, nor noise. One thing only do I wish, that quietly and intelligently listening, you should do what is said. This is the applause, this the panegyric for me. But if thou praisest what I say, but doest not what thou applaudest, greater is the punishment, more aggravated the accusation, and to us it is shame and ridicule. For the things here present are no dramatic spectacle, neither do ye now sit gazing on actors, that ye may merely applaud. This place is a spiritual school. Wherefore also there is but one thing aimed at, duly to perform the things that have been spoken, and to show forth our obedience by our works. For then only shall we have obtained all, since as things are, to say the truth, we have fairly given up in despair. For I have not ceased giving these admonitions either to those whom I meet in private or in discourse with you all in common. Yet I see no advantage at all gained, but you are still clinging to the former rude beginnings, which thing is enough to fill the teacher with weariness? See, for example, Paul himself hardly bearing it, because his scholars were delaying a long time in their earlier lessons. For when for the time, saith he, you ought to be teachers, ye have need to be taught again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Wherefore we too mourn and lament, and if I see you persisting, I will forbid you for the future to set foot on this sacred threshold, and partake of the immortal mysteries. 
as we do fornicators and adulterers, and persons charged with murder. Yea, for it is better to offer our accustomed prayers with two or three who keep the laws of God than to sweep together a multitude of transgressors and corrupters of others. Let me have no rich man, no potentate puffing at me here and drawing up his eyebrows. All these things are to me a fable, a shade, a dream. For no one of those who are now rich will stand up for me there, when I am called to account and accused as not having thoroughly vindicated the laws of God with all due earnestness. For this, this ruined even that admirable old man, though in his own life giving no handle for blame, yet for all that, because he overlooked the treading underfoot of God's laws, he was chastised with his children, and paid that grievous penalty. And if, where the absolute authority of nature was so great, he who failed to treat his own children with due firmness endured so grievous a punishment, what indulgence shall we have, freed as we are from that dominion, and yet ruining all by flattery? In order, therefore, that ye may not destroy both us and your own selves with us, be persuaded, I entreat you. Set very many to watch over you, and call you to account, and so free yourselves from the habit of oaths, that going on orderly from thence, ye may both with all facility succeed in attaining unto all other virtue, and may enjoy the good things to come, which God grant that we may all win, by the grace and love towards man of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and might now and always, even for ever and ever. Amen. End of Homily 17